Cool. So last week we um, started a new series on the book of James. How many people enjoyed uh, Dad last week? And uh, that's six of us. Okay. Um, Dad just brought a cracking word last week that kicked us off with the book of James. And uh, to try and encourage us to take some notes and to be uh, listening to what is going on, uh, we produced this little thing, um, which is a little sort of brief outline of the sermon. Now, Last week, Dad brought a cracking word, and uh, Dad has this style when he preaches that every main point that he has, it sort of starts with the same letter, usually the letter P, I don't know why P, but usually it's the letter P. My dad's sermons are very structured, they're very organized, they're very methodical, you go through step by step, and it's just brilliant. This week, it's going to be a little bit different, okay? So you have this in front of you. All I can say is good luck, okay? Good luck trying to fill this in, but I will endeavor to go through it as much as possible. If you want to whack the, um, the, the second half of that passage on the screens, please, that would be great. Now, we live in the information age. Apparently, I read this morning that there has been more information produced in the last 30 years than has been in the last 5,000 years. We live in a world where there is a, a plethora of information. We can go to the library, we can go to the, the web, we can go to Google, tap anything into Google, and it will give us the answer. We live in an age where information isn't a challenge. Now, this is also true um, in the Christian life, um, especially, I'm going to say, in, in, in the Western world. Um, I came from my office this morning, and I had books about Jesus on my shelf. Um, I've probably got about five different Bibles. How many people here this morning have got more than one Bible? Okay, I've got a, a hardback Bible. I've got a paperback Bible. I've got a New Testament Bible. I've got a message Bible. I've got an ESV version, an NIV. I can go to the web and I can look at the Bible on the web. I can go to my phone and the Bible is on my phone. I've got three different types of Bible on my Kindle, for goodness sake. I don't think we're struggling for information. We all have very ready access to information. And here, James, the brother of Jesus, is telling us that there can be a problem in the Christian life when a gap occurs between information and, I'm going to put it in capitals, obedience. Here's the question this morning. Here's the root, the nub of what I'm going to say. Has God given you information? Have you read things in the Bible? Are there things that you know this morning that actually all you've done is allowed that information to be in your mind? 
James says it's not good enough just to have information. We need to be doers of the word as well as hearers of the word. Now, this is where we're going to get really deep right now, okay? We're going to get really technical. There is something that happens in this gap right here. If you this morning, if there is stuff that you know from God's word that you haven't applied, that you're not being obedient to, something happens, okay? And it's called this. It's a really technical word. It comes from the Greek, okay? You get a fat head. Pride comes into our hearts when the stuff that we know, but we're not doing it. Where is it? 1 Corinthians 8. Knowledge puffs up, love builds up. I just want to be a man of, of knowledge, but I want to be a man of love. I don't just want to have information. I don't want to be, you know, a, a clever person who knows lots of stuff, but I want the stuff that God is showing to me. I want it to be stuff that I'm actually applying in my life. Now, we know there is a group of people in the Bible who had a fat head. Who were they? They were the Pharisees, okay? Spelt correctly. And that's where the word fathead comes from. Because they had a fat, fat is from the, no it's not, okay, I'm pulling your leg. They had an issue with pride. And people saw that they kept returning to the things that they knew. They were all about, what do you know? Well, I know the Bible inside out. I'm back to front and front to back. That's all very good. And I'm not putting down study this morning. Uh, you may think, well, this is an anti-study your Bible sermon. It's not, okay? But I'm not sure if that's the main problem for most of us here today, because I think most of us know a lot of the Word, but the question is, great, we know the Word. Are we being obedient to the Word? Where there's a gap between revelation and application, we get stagnation. Can't think of any other words beginning with shin. But that's what happens. There becomes a problem. It's a little bit like um, riding a bike. I don't know if you've ever ridden a, ridden a bike where one of the pedals breaks. Yeah, Martin, you've done that, yeah? Yeah? Martin's done that. He's had that experience. And you're riding your bicycle, and you're trying to do it. with It just it, it doesn't work very well. And the Christian life, when it comes to the Word, it's about putting some force on this thing of reading the Word, learning the Word, studying the Word. But that is just one pedal. When the pedal comes around, you have to then apply the other side of things, which is application. And this is why I think... Um, we go back to that, that first bit in James. I think James sort of prefaces this little passage talking about listening. Listening. Do we have any good listeners here this morning? Do we have any good listeners here this morning? 
Do we have any good listeners here this morning? Sorry, just saying that for the people who are not listening very well, okay? Um, the whole thing of, of, of listening is, is a posture of humility. It's saying, you know, I may know some stuff, but I have an attitude in my heart that says there's more to learn. You know, if I'm in, in a conversation with somebody, do you tend to be a listener or a talker? Um, there's some great people in this church. Really great, interesting people. And it's great to talk to people and just to listen and to learn as you're listening. But you see, when you think you know it all, when you're a fathead, when you're a Pharisee, there comes this, this, this thing of pride. Well, I don't really need to listen to you because I, I know stuff. We need to be humble, don't we? I hope that I'm so humble that I realize that there's some pride in my life. I hope I'm not so proud that I think I'm totally humble. That's good to write down. On the back there, you've got a note section. That wasn't in there, you see. See, with me, you get extra added bonus. With Dad, he'll go through the plan. For me, it just all come out, you see. You can turn on the back. I hope that I'm humble enough to realize that sometimes I'm proud. I'm not proud to think that I'm totally humble. So, let's be people that really close the gap between what we hear and what we do. If there was somebody in the Bible who could be proud, it was James. He was the brother of Jesus. Talk about sibling rivalry. Talk about your mum and dad saying to you, well, your brother would have never done that. I mean, I, I can remember once when I was at school. Is my sister here this morning? She, she's not here, is she? I can just carry on then. Okay, so my, I, I remember once when I was at school. Now, my sister is so old that she actually left secondary school before I started, okay, just to make that clear. So one day in the first year, Okay, I was, I was doing something, I won't tell you what it was, but I was doing something I shouldn't have been doing. And this teacher yelled at me, and he said, what is your name? I said, Gareth Benton, sir. And he said, you're a Benton. You should know better. Because my sister was perfect. Well, James had a perfect brother. He, he, he was the... He was, he was the brother of Jesus. I mean, can you imagine being the brother of Jesus? I'm not sure if that sets you up for kind of a total life of counseling or whether that's, a, you know, an amazing thing. But he wasn't a proud man. He was a humble man. And I think when we come to God's word, we need to adopt that position of humility. It says, one, there's stuff that I need to learn. There's stuff that I need to know. But as I learn it, I don't just go in my head, but it's stuff that changes my life. How many people looked in the mirror this morning? Martin did. That's great. Okay. For those of you who didn't look in the mirror, we can tell. Okay? Just so you know. I actually, can I, can I ask, can I, maybe you, you, don't put your hands to this, because, you know, is there anyone here this morning who didn't look in the mirror? You are putting your hands up. Okay. I mean, okay, so 90, 
8% of us, okay, I was just thinking, because I always look in the mirror in the mornings. I mean, is that, that's a pretty normal thing to do, isn't it? To look in the mirror in, in the mornings. And I was thinking this, you know, James is saying that, that the Bible um, is like a mirror. How many of us this morning looked into a physical mirror, but we didn't look into a heart mirror? How many of us this morning, we took the time to check out how we looked, to check out, am I presentable for church today? Oh, I need to comb my hair. Um, I'm getting at the age where I need to trim my ear hairs and that kind of stuff, stick the thing up my nose and all that sort of thing. You know, we spent time, most of us, most of us this morning, checking out, do I look physically presentable? Here's the question. How many of us picked up our, our, our Bible this morning, our heart mirror, and began to, to read God's word with, with, with a sense of humility. God, there are things that you need to do in my heart today. There are things that you need to do in my life. I want to see the kind of man, the kind of woman that I am. I'm going to read your word because your word is the best reference point to tell me how I'm doing in life, to tell me what kind of a person I am. And as we read the word, as the Holy Spirit comes and brings the word alive, we need to be people that are saying, do you know what? That's great, but it's not just information. This is stuff that I want to apply. I was thinking this morning of a little picture to demonstrate somebody who just reads the word and doesn't do the word. It's a little bit like somebody who's maybe feeling they need to get a little bit fitter. So what do you do? You go down to to HMV, WH Smith's, Amazon.com, and you buy a fitness DVD. Jane Fonda. No, it's not Jane Fonda these days. Who is it? Davina. Davina McCall. You go down and get a Davina DVD. Wow, she can swim miles and miles and cycle. Wow, she's fit. I've got to listen to Davina. So you go down, you buy, you buy the DVD. But then, what do you do? You take it home, you put it on, and you sit on the sofa eating popcorn. Oh, look at that. That's great, that. Whoa, that looks really difficult. I should be doing that. That looks looks exactly like what I should be doing as you're stuffing your mouth with your chocolate. We need to be people who are activating the Word of God in um, the obedience levels that we have to the things that God is teaching us to do. How are we doing with the notes? Are we good? Are we? Let's just see. Yeah, I've done that. Yeah. Okay, that's good. Right, we're good. Okay. So we're on the second bit now. The Bible is a mirror. Here's three things that the Bible is not. The Bible is not an optical illusion. Do you guys remember those things? They're not quite so popular now, but those 3D optical illusions. Um, If you were really... I won't use the word. You'd buy a book of 3D optical illusions. You know, those, they, they were, I should have got one, shouldn't I? We could all spend like five minutes looking at this thing. You look at this thing and you, you tilt your head slightly to the left and you go slightly cross-eyed and you're looking at it and suddenly, pa, like this 3D picture. How, how many people, because I never saw the picture. I never saw the picture. <laughs> you, you, guys, you guys know what I'm talking about. How many people actually saw the picture? Can I just say something? We don't like you, okay? 
We don't really like you because we never saw the... Oh, can you see that? It's a merry-go-round and it's moving and the horses are... What? We're looking at the same... Sometimes, you know, we, we, we think the Bible is, is, is unplain. It's complex. Now, there are parts of the Bible that are difficult to understand. But can I just say this? There is enough in the Bible that is simple and we just need to get on with it. Mark Twain um, has this great quote. He says this. It ain't, it ain't, he's not Australian, okay? He's American, I think. So I need to get my American. I'll just do Australian because I'm in Australia now. It's different, I'm I'm lodged in there, I think. It ain't, it ain't the (laughs) part... No, my wife's shaking her head now. Okay, this is bad. Okay, he said, it ain't, it ain't the parts of the Bible that I don't understand that bother me. It's the parts of the Bible that I do understand that bother me. Wow. That's really powerful right there. Sometimes we open God's word, and oh my word, that, that is... That is challenging. God, you're asking me to do that. That is the mirror that I'm holding up in front of myself this morning. And you are showing me that I'm like this. And that I need to go away. And I need to comb a spiritual man. And maybe put on some, some I was going to say put on some spot cover up. But God doesn't cover up things in our lives, does he? He deals with the problem. And sometimes, you know, we, we, we think, the, oh, the Bible's so deep. We've got to get, you know... We've got to get books and stuff to understand it. And, you know, we've got to talk to clever people to, to understand what God is trying to say. Sometimes you need to do that. But generally, the Bible is pretty plain. We just need to receive the word and get on and do it. And do it with an obedient heart. The Bible is not a funhouse mirror. You know those funhouse mirrors? At the fair? You go to the fair... And uh, you stand in front of the mirror. In fact, where's, Ga- Ga- where's Gaz? Where is he? There he's at the back. Gaz, right? Do you know what he did? This is just weird. So Gaz, the other day, he, he, he restores this laptop for, for us to use at home, okay? And Gaz decides, as a little present for, the, for the, the desktop thing, he did this weird thing where he distorted his face. So like his, he's got his big old slappy forehead and his head's, beard's coming down here. And it's just the weirdest thing when you turn this thing on every day. The Bible, the Bible is not like that. I'll tell you who wants to distort you is the enemy. You know, you were made on purpose for a purpose. You are God's creation. God puts value on your life. And what the enemy wants to do, he wants to distort that. That he wants to put up a mirror in front of you that says you are useless. You are worthless. God this morning looks at you with his love and he says, do you know what? I I love you so much that I I have done everything possible for you. I have sent my son to die for you. That is the value that I place on your life this morning. So the Bible is not an optical illusion. It's not a funhouse mirror. Maybe the opposite to the funhouse mirror. The Bible's not a selfie either. Yeah? You know what a selfie is? You guys? Does everyone know what It's where you like take a picture of yourself in your phone. Now there's two problems with that. The first thing 
is that you are taking your own picture. Can I just say, spiritually, you are not the best person to take a picture of yourself. If you want to know how you're doing, don't ask yourself. Not really a good place to start. I mean, the best place to come to is God's word. Another good thing to ask is your, is your partner. If you're married, they'll tell you how you're really doing, okay? Um, ask some people around you. Ask some people, you know, how, how am I doing in this area? And sometimes we're so self-absorbed that we think, you know, the best person to judge how I'm doing is me. Well, you know, the Bible is a mirror. Let's come to the Word first of all. Let's allow the Holy Spirit to challenge us. The other thing with a selfie, of course, is, is you put on your best pose, don't you? If you're doing a selfie, you, you, you pretend to be maybe, to look better than what you really look like. You know, for guys it would be, oh, something like that, you know. That's not you. That's not the real you. And the great thing is that God, I, I like to think of, of you know, you, know um, I see, you see some movies where police interrogate somebody, not that, you know, God interrogates you, but you know you get those two-sided mirrors. that You can look at it from one side, but you can see through it from the other side. And I, I just think that's a great picture that, you know, as we look into the Word, that God is standing on the other side, and He sees the blemishes. He sees the faults. He sees you as you really are. He sees the worst of you. Yet He still loves you. He still values you. Still has a plan for you. So the Bible is not an optical illusion. It's not a funhouse mirror. It's not a selfie. It's a mirror. And let's not just look into the mirror, go away, forget what we look like. But let's study the Word, and then let's be obedient to what the Word is asking us to do. I wonder whether we we value God's Word too lightly in this country. Um, I was saying, you know, earlier on how I've got five Bibles and three Bibles on my Kindle, this, that, and the other. I mean, it's easy to come by Bibles in this country. In North Korea today, it is illegal to own a Bible. I was reading about a, 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 an American couple that they have this ministry of, um, it's a hot air ministry, um, because they blow up little hot air balloons from South Korea, and they float over um, Bibles into North Korea. Now, the thing is, here's the question. If you're in North Korea walking around one day, and you see a Bible on the floor, you have a massive, massive question to ask. Am I going to pick up that Bible? Am I going to put my life on the line for owning a Bible? Towards the end of last year, um, 80 people um, were, were killed by the government. And, and amongst those 80 people were Christians. And their only crime was owning a Bible. Wow. And I can just grab a Bible. How many Bibles have we got here this morning? You know, 100 Bibles in this room. Do we... Do we value the Bible too lightly? There's some great verses in the Bible that talk about what the Bible is. Hebrews 4, verse 12, talks about the Bible, God's Word, being alive and active, 
sharper than any two-edged sword, that it divides between the spirit and the soul, the joints and, and, and the marrow. It, it, it's a surgeon's tool, the word of God. That God can come with his word and he can, he can deal with unhealthiness in our life. Psalm 119 talks about the, the Bible being um, a light. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet. I've started this song in too high a key. A light to my feet, a lamp unto my path. I'm, I'm the first one to get up in, in my house in the morning, and it's usually dark. Why well, is it this time of year? It's dark. And I'm trying to find my clothes, and it's just, I'm fumbling around, and I can't find anything. What do I do? I've got a little, I've got a little light app on my phone, a little torch app. Yeah? And you turn the app on, and woo! You can see everything, and now I'm not fumbling through, and I can see my way, and I can find things. Well, God's Word is like a lamp. It's like a light. Some of us are fumbling through life, trying to, what do I do in my business? What do I do in this relationship? You know, what do I need to study? You know, who should I be friends with? We're fumbling through, and God says, my Word is a lamp. It's a light. It helps us to know where to go. Jeremiah, Jeremiah 23, it talks about God's word being a fire. It's like a fire. How many people this morning need God's fire to come and to burn up some things in their life that are not good? I need, I need God's word to come like a fire to me. The other encouraging thing that Jeremiah tells us is that God's word is like a hammer that breaks stones to pieces. Oh, that sounds painful, Lord. Sometimes... God's word is painful, and it comes in quite a strong way. If we're humble and we have a posture of learning, we're not only willing to listen to the word, but we're willing to obey the word. Matthew 7, can we have that on the board, please? Matthew 7, there's a great little story where Jesus talks about two men. And uh, I think James... His brother had heard this story. And this is what he's talking about. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and, and, and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came. Oh, we know what this looks like, don't we? The rain came down. The streams rose. And the winds blew. This is a prophetic word to the UK right now. And beat against the house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew, and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. Some of you are getting knocked over in your life. It's not because you haven't heard the word, it's because you've heard the word but you haven't put it into practice. And James is so strong here. He says, do not deceive yourselves. Don't deceive yourselves. Don't think because you've got some game in the area of knowing the Bible that you think you're okay. Don't deceive yourself. I want to challenge you this morning. You know, you may think, well, 
I, I'm a good Christian because I, I know some of my Bible. Well, how about that gossip that you seem to come back to time and time and time again? Yeah, you read 10 chapters of the Bible in the morning, but your tongue is like a fire. It's like a fire because you have not said no to using your tongue in the area of gossip. Oh, well, Gareth, you know, I come to church every week and I listen to the sermons. Yes, but you're sleeping with your girlfriend. You're promiscuous in your sexuality. James would say, do not deceive yourself. Do not be in deception. Look at the mirror. Look at what God says. And don't just know the word, but do the word. Oh, but Gareth, I love to, I love to worship. I know, I know, 25 Psalms, back to front and front, front to back. Yes, but you're bitter. You're bitter. You haven't done the thing of, of releasing forgiveness. You take pride, maybe in the way that you worship and the way that you know the Psalms, but you have deceived yourself because you haven't released forgiveness. Let me end with this little story. Um, my friend um, Dave Portway phoned me the other week. And Dave Portway is a man that really speaks into my life and he really hears, I believe, what the Holy Spirit is, is um, saying to him. And I was talking on the phone to him, and, he, and he, um, he said, Gareth, I've got a word for you. I've got a real strong word for you. And the thing was, is that the day before, I had downloaded this app onto my phone, and it was an app to help me to memorize some verses. So as Dave is talking to me, my app started buzzing at me. And I hadn't quite worked out the settings on it. So I'm talking to Dave, but I can't listen to him because the thing's going, bzzz, 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 bzzz. Dave, I'm going to need to phone you back. My phone's playing up. So put the phone, put the phone down. I dialed David on the phone. I put the phone, I put the phone down. Um, and he phones me back. And uh, he says, Gareth, here's the word for you. 1 Samuel 15, Saul is the new king of Israel. God has anointed him. God gives him some very specific things to do. He's going to fight a battle, and God says to Saul, you need to consecrate everything that you win in that battle to me. Everything. Saul is obedient 95%. He wins the battle, and he consecrates. He gives most of the stuff back to the Lord. But there's some animals that he doesn't consecrate. The man of God, Samuel, comes to Saul, and he asks the pointed mirror question. Saul, have you given everything to the Lord? Why, yes, man of God. Why, yes, Samuel. Samuel says, Saul, what is this? bleating, this barring, I hear in my ears. Saul, you have not been completely obedient to what I've asked you to do. And Dave is telling me this story and the phrase, what is this bleating that I hear, bearing in mind that my phone had just been buzzing at me? 
I said to Dave, Dave, I think that's a word for me. And do you know why I think that's a word for me? Because my, my phone memorizer app, it was not bleating at me, but it was buzzing at me. And do you know the verse? Do you know the verse that was on my memorizer when I looked at it? It was Joshua 1 verse 8. Joshua 1 verse 8 talks about, do not let the word of the Lord depart from your mouth, but meditate on it day and night, and be careful to do everything. Be careful to do everything that is written in it. And I just wondered this morning, I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. Are there some people here this morning that you have the information? God's spoken to you about some stuff. You've read it in the Word. You've heard it in a sermon. You've checked it out. Yeah, that's good. I think God's saying that to me. And maybe you've been 95% obedient. You've done most of it. But God would challenge you this morning. What, what is that bleating? That buzzing that I hear in my ears. And I feel we should have hearts that are always humble to say, God, it's not about the 95% that I am doing right, but God, I want to take a posture of learning and I want to be willing to root out anything in my life that is disobedient to you. Here's something really specific I just want to challenge you with this morning. There may be some people here, and you've never been baptized in water. And you, you, you have come to a point in your life where you've said, Jesus, I want to follow you. I want to give myself completely to you. And, and Jesus would say to you, it's in the word, be baptized. And you've never been baptized in water. I want to challenge you today to be obedient. Not to look at the ten things that you're doing right, but to say, do you know what? That's one thing in my life where I need to be obedient. I feel God has spoken to me. And I want to be obedient to him. Can we stand together? We're going to um, close this morning by having some worship. We're going to come around the Lord's table. And I'll, I'll explain that in a moment, or Martin will. And then we just want to pray for people. Um, we're trying to get into the habit as a church of just allowing um, some time every week. Where if you want some prayer, if you want God to minister to you, then we want to stand with you in that. So I'm going to pray, and then we'll sing maybe a song of worship, and then we'll come around communion together. Lord, thank you. Thank you that you love us, Lord. Thank you that when you, you, you see our lives, and you see all the things that we do wrong, and you see right into our hearts, and you see, you see the problems, Lord. You see the pride. You see, you see the unrighteousness. Thank you that you still love us. Thank you that you have a heart for us. God, I want to pray this morning that in, in, in that sense of being secure, Lord, in your love, that we will be willing to come to you and say, God, we surrender. We want to be obedient. We don't just want to be hearers of the word. But God, we want to put it all into practice. For all of us here this morning, as we begin to worship you, I pray, Lord, that if there are things that we need to deal with this morning, if there are things that we need to get right in our lives, then God, you would just put up that mirror in front of us, that Holy Spirit, you would search us and try us and, 
and, and see if there is anything within us that needs to be changed. So Lord, we worship you because we love you.